Before we start the sermon, I just want to open with prayer, but we also want to pray for Beth Sear. Some of you may know she's in the hospital and she's got a problem with her carotid artery and uh, headaches. And so they're uh, keeping her in for observation, but it could be serious. The carotid artery is important. We just want to bless and pray for healing. So would you join with me in prayer? Father, we thank you that you are our Father, our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, and that you promised uh, that uh, when we pray anything, that, uh, Lord, you hear it when we pray in your name. And so in Jesus' name, we ask that you heal Beth Seer. In Jesus' name, we pray that her carotid artery would uh, be strengthened and be no longer damaged or bleeding in any way. Father, we pray the headaches would stop in Jesus' name. Lord, we break every curse, Lord, and release the blessing that comes with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray that she'd be uh, fully healed and restored very quickly. Father, we thank you for her and for her body and for her healing. And we thank you for you, Lord, that uh, through you we can have confidence that you you hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're continuing in the series of uh, the living the great commandment and uh, fulfilling the great commission or kind of a mission statement that we have as a church and kind of delving into a little more in depth what it means to live the great commandment. Um, uh, we've already looked at the idea that it's first and foremost, that it's, it's the primary commandment. We've looked at what it means to love God with our heart and our soul. And today we're going to look at uh, the last part of it, what it means to love God with our, our mind and our strength. And we're going to read the Scripture <clears throat> this, uh, from a different um, gospel than we have in the earlier weeks. This is the how uh, it's described in Mark, and he goes into a little more detail concerning this, the person who asked the question. <clears throat> so this is Mark 12, 28-34, uh, and I'm reading it from the NASB uh, translation. It says, One of the scribes came and heard them arguing. Who was arguing? Well, it was Jesus and uh, other scribes and, and the Pharisees, religious teachers and leaders of his day. Uh, and they were arguing with Jesus, trying to catch him in some theological error so that they could prove that he was not of God. But, of course, Jesus always won out. <laughs> so, uh, But they're going back and forth, and this one scribe hears them arguing. And he recognized that he, Jesus, had answered them well. And then asked Jesus another question. He said, what commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, <clears throat> you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe responded and said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated he is one, and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus saw that the scribe had answered intelligently, that he understood, <clears throat> he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. 
And after that, no one else would venture to ask Jesus any more questions. <laughs> so they said, we're not, we're not going to go that route because he answered with such power. So in this, we get a little uh, better insight into the, that this scribe was actually... Um, uh, responsive and open to what Jesus had to say and uh, was drawn in. And uh, we don't know what happens. Uh, you know, he's not mentioned anymore in the Bible, but certainly uh, is very likely, you know, he could have become one of the believers and, and who knows uh, what, what uh, came of the man. <clears throat> but it's, it's interesting to zero in, as we have already, on, on what it means to love God with our heart and our soul. And, well, what does this mean, uh, the mind and the strength? And um, just to give some definitions for the word, <clears throat> uh, the Greek word for mind uh, literally means deep thought. And uh, of course, I'm not speaking of the computer. Um, <clears throat> properly, the faculty, the mind or its disposition. Um, it means imagination. Everybody say imagination. Imagination. Yeah, imagination is part of our mental activity. And in and of itself, it's not bad. It's actually a gift. Uh, unfortunately, it's used sometimes improperly. Like all the things God gives us it is intended for uh, great things. It's a very powerful tool of our mind. Understanding. Um, and then the scribe's reply um, when he said, you know, Jesus said the word mind, but when the scribe replied, he said, uh, uh, he, he repeated it, Jesus is in the love him with all your heart and with all the understanding. Well, the word understanding is actually a different Greek word, so he, he kind of used a different word with a similar meaning. <clears throat> and Jesus commended it. He said, you got it right. Um, and that word is a, um, a putting together. It, it literally means intelligence or the intellect, knowledge. But the, the word picture, uh, that's, uh, that this word, uh, kind of, you know how certain words will have an image associated with it, is a flowing together. Okay? So like when, when, you're, when you're in the flow or when things are in line or in the flow. And so the idea is that your thought processes, and of course thoughts are kind of like things that flow. You, you have a stream of consciousness and that, that same idea is is within this <clears throat> this term so it means knowledge and understanding when you get it you know the mind so far as it understands all right so understanding imagination intellect um, knowledge all of this is part of the mind and then the strength we learned earlier that uh, this is based on um, uh, a very important uh, word, uh, scripture in the Old Testament that Moses first said. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Okay, so in the Hebrew, the word might is used, and that was the um, <clears throat> one of the most important verses in the entire Old Testament for the Jewish people. It was the first verse that they would speak over a child when he was born. It was the last words that would come out of a believer's mouth before they died. Uh, it was repeated every morning when they got out of bed, and every night when they went to bed, it was the first thing on their lips and the last thing on their lips. This verse was repeated constantly. So it's, this is very important. Jesus is, uh, is not coming up with something new here. He's, he's reaffirming that this is the central message. This is the most important thing. And in the Hebrew, the, the word is might, and it's translated into the Greek in both mind and strength. And so um, there's, there's 
two elements. You know, when you go from one language to another, sometimes you need multiple words to get the, the bigger picture of, of what the word means. So what I've always uh, understood this to mean is all of our physical being, both our mental capacity as well as our uh, bodily uh, strength. Or, you, know, you know what strength is? Come on, guys. Show me a strength. All the real men. Come on. Come on! <laughs> hey, Lewis, can I tell a story about you? Sure, okay. <laughs> I told you this morning, I didn't ask, but it's really great, you know. <clears throat> I love Lewis, he's great. And like every cool dude, <clears throat> he walks around the house without a shirt. <laughs> but sometimes you... He used to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> used to. <laughs> well, he'll walk in front of the TV, and of course it's like a mirror, and he'll just uh, flex him, you know, like that. <clears throat> so I'll come up behind him and do it too. So um, <clears throat> it's our strength. What does strength mean? It means your strength. You know, your bodily might. All right, uh, your the energy that you have, and um, the illustration that we've been using is, you know, uh, kind of like this is a common way to illustrate uh, a human person and the different aspects of our being, and that we have our our heart. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Our soul. Talked about that last week, and then here we have our mind and uh, strength, and really what that's talking about is our body. Okay, our physical being. Our physical being is made up of our mental um, attributes as well as our physical attributes. And we often, um, sometimes, <clears throat> many people, especially in our day, it's kind of a result of um, uh, um, <clears throat> an emphasis on on thought and, and ideas. I mean, we're living in the information age, and and so um, uh, so much of of our Society is based on ideas, right? And we send kids to school and we emphasize academic things and all good, but we sometimes separate our mind from our body, okay? As though the mind is more important or more substantial than our physical body or that even that they're two separate things. <clears throat> when in reality, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't know it until I was in college. I took a physiology course and found out that the brain and the brain stem and the spinal cord, you know, that goes down through your spine is actually one organ, all right? Not separate parts. And so if you were to pull your brain out of your head, along with it would be this tail-shaped thing that, yes, looks like an alien. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then, and then that is that, that's not your whole nervous system. That's just one part of it. Because extending out from that, are all your nerves, all right, which extend to every, every, you know, micron of your body is linked to your brain through your nervous system. And so <clears throat> when you t feel something touch you, it's triggering a little response that goes through your nervous system, that goes up your spinal column, and bing, you know, you're aware of it. <clears throat> Hopefully. Maybe. Sometimes. Um, <clears throat> and so when you think of your mind, don't just think of your Intellect, just one little part of your mind, but it's really talking about your whole mental capacity as well as your strength, which is your body, your physical uh, being um, uh, connected with um, your 
mental and nervous system. And I came across this as kind of an interesting part that uh, may be new to you, <coughs> but there's a, um, there's a second brain. How many knew you had two brains? The man with two brains. Huh? The man with two brains. <laughs> uh, and came across is actually true. It's a uh, it's nickname. The second brain is actually the enteric nervous uh, center. Nervous, uh, the enteric nervous um, system. Yeah, Enter- enteric nervous system. And um, <clears throat> you know they used to think it's a it's a mass. Let me just read from you a quote from a, a Scientific America journal. It says the enter- enteric nervous system, the second brain, consists of sheaths of neurons embedded in the walls of the long tube of our gut or our alimentary canal. How many know what an alimentary canal is? Very elementary. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's where the food goes in. And goes through and comes out. Okay, that's your alimentary canal. All right, and so it includes your your throat, your your esophagus, your stomach, your small intestines, your large intestines, the whole deal. Um, it contains so uh, uh, embedded into the walls of this, it, it, and it extends nine meters. That's about thirty feet. All right, that's from that wall to about here. Inside of you. <laughs> Let's keep it in. <laughs> All right, but it's coated with this neural matter, nervous system, over a hundred million neurons, which is more than what's in the spinal cord and all the other peripheral nervous system combined. Okay, so, and it's way too, this is a quote, this system is way too complicated only to make sure things move out of your colon. Okay, this is some doctor in UCLA uh, says. He says, for example, scientists were shocked to learn that about 90% of the fibers in the primary visceral nerve, which is the vagus nerve, very important nerve in your body, um, uh, carries information from the gut to the brain and not the other way around. All right. So what they're saying here is that this this neural system is part of your, sensor, your your nervous system, which is actually connected to your 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 digestive system. of the information between the brain and it goes from here up to your brain. So this part of you is feeding information to your thought processes. Okay? Far more than they ever thought. And um, a couple other facts about this, and then we'll talk about why, what does this matter. (laughs) So the nervous system uses about 30 uh, neurotransmitters, uh, just like the brain does. This enteric nervous system uses the same neurotransmitters. And 95% of the body's serotonin, uh, which is one of the most important uh, neurotransmitters and very connected to things like depression and and stuff like that, Uh, 95% of the body's serotonin is actually found in this system. Okay, not in, in, the, in, your, in your brain part. And so, um, what they've realized is that this affects your way of thinking far more than they've ever realized in the past. So the medical community is realizing, wow, there's a, there's a powerful connection between your, your gut, okay, and, your, and the way you think. Well, we've all had gut reactions, right? A gut decision, right? Or butterflies in your stomach, okay? Uh, you know, and what, where's the source of that? Well, there's a scientific, there's a medical basis for that. That there's a connection 
between this part of your nervous system and this part, okay? Uh, and, and just understanding that kind of helps put into perspective, oh, maybe there is something to these gut feelings uh, that we don't just dismiss. Um, you know, and what, what's the digestive system built for? It's built to determine what is nutrition and what is waste, Okay, it's really designed to uh, determine what to absorb into the body and what to reject. Okay, right? <clears throat> okay, and so it's really good at that. And sometimes that ability to process and to differentiate can be used to, you know, you get a, a reaction, you hear something, and something inside of you just says, uh-uh, "That might be your gut." Okay, and the Bible actually uses this term throughout the Old Testament. It's called uh, it's the term someone's bowels. I won't turn to the references, but especially in the King James, it's translated, you know, the, the bowels of mercy and affection. And uh, it's right along with their, a person's heart and will. It's, it's uh, the uh, center of their emotional uh, response to uh, circumstances. Even God is, uh, uh, is, is talked about having bowels, all right? And so this is that part of the being. It's, it's throughout Scripture, and now they're finding, you know, scientists finally catching up with uh, the theologian where... where <coughs> Our whole body affects the way we think, and the way we think affects our body. All right, that's, that's basically a long way to get around to saying that. All right, that you know what we eat and what we, uh, you know, our physical being and our mental being are not separate things. We're all integrated, and we're integrated in order to love God. Okay, and this body, say my body. Was built to love God. Yeah, all of it. Your mind, your body, the whole thing. Um, and that's the command of, that's the great command. This is the most important thing. Um, <clears throat> Uh, throughout all of Scripture, that we are to uh, love God with our whole being and every aspect of our being is is really uh, designed to do that. <clears throat> now, this is what happens in a lot of people. Uh, it's another dynamic. Is, you know, you go through life and rather than uh, all being together, we, we end up putting... Uh, Creating little boxes uh, in in our life that we kind of separate <coughs> different aspects of our lives, and in the one degree, you know, you, you know, you have to go to work a certain amount of time every day, and there's your home life, okay, and you have a uh, uh, you know maybe a relationship with friends, you know, and there's times where where you have friends or entertainment uh, things. <coughs> And, uh, you know, then, you know, you have, you have, uh, your education maybe, you know, uh, and different aspects. And in one sense, there are different parts of our lives, but if we begin to fragment so that, uh, we have church life, okay, and, and then if you allow fragmentation to happen to where, uh, you actually become, you behave differently, when you're at home, as opposed to when you're at work, as opposed to when you're at church, as opposed to when you're around your friends, okay, this allows you to have, uh, you know, parts of you not in alignment, <clears throat> okay? And so maybe part of you can, uh, while you're on the computer, uh, go to some things maybe that are really destructive, 
But, <clears throat> you know, boy, nobody in church finds out about that. You know, or you, you know, and it starts falling apart. Okay? And you might have a relationship or a behavior <clears throat> that doesn't line up. Right? Because you've kind of fragmented. This is how people, now normally what, how this happens is that it's, it's a way of coping, uh, with, with trauma or uh, uh, things that contradict, okay? And so, especially in, in pain and trauma, if you had a, a really bad experience in your home life, and so you have all these emotions that affect you when you're at home, you kind of like, you just want to keep that at home so that when you're at work, you can actually make it through the day, okay? But in your psychology, in your, in, within your mind, you kind of put it in a box, but that allows you to break up yourself into little parts. And then, and then what happens is the parts start to fall apart. Okay? And you start to fall apart because you can't hold it all together. Especially when the behavior is contradictory. Okay? So pain and trauma can cause us, but also sin. Alright? When you allow, when you give in the lust and temptation and you want to, you got to keep that separate so you can come to church and be Joe Christian. You know? Hey, brother, praise God, let's worship God, then read your Bible, yeah. But then, you know, uh, and that's really you, but then another, you know, Tuesday evening and you're all alone and you give in the temptation and that's really you too. Alright? But it's, you're not in agreement. You've fragmented, and that's unhealthy. And the enemy uses that to pull us apart. Alright? And Jesus came not to leave us this way, alright? But to heal the brokenhearted. It's one of his primary things. He came to heal, to put back together into right order the brokenhearted. Okay? And being healed allows us to know what to accept and what to reject. To know what is good for us and what's from the enemy, what's from the flesh. To get it straight. And that's what Jesus came. Let me read a few scriptures. Concerning the way we were or our old nature. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, You were dead, 2 verse 1, I'm reading again from the NASB, it says, You were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So he's saying that there's a spiritual influence, a demonic spiritual influence that influences those who are in that type of lifestyle. It says, among them, we too all formerly lived. So all the Christians he was writing, and including himself, we lived that way. <clears throat> in the lusts of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh, which is the body, and the mind. All right, just pulled astray, which in whatever direction they wanted, uh, by the flesh and the mind, or the bodily aspects of us, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love in which He loves us, even when we were dead in transgression, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And so, the process of salvation <clears throat> is taking us from being pulled apart by the desires of our mind and the lust of our flesh and being brought back together in Christ. Are you following me? Am I going too fast? Okay. <clears throat> that, if that was our former state, bless you, what, what are we called to? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. Colossians 1, 17. This talks about 
how we're supposed to be or what we're invited into. This is the process of salvation or healing. It says, He is, He, speaking of Jesus Christ, listen, He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. Say, all things. All things. Yeah, all the things are held together in Him. Alright? Not in Him, they fall apart. In Him, they're held together. He is also the head of the body. Oh, the body. Speaking here of the church. <clears throat> he is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. So that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. So in every part of our life, He's to have first place. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, in Jesus. And through Him to reconcile all things. Reconcile means to bring back together all things. Having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in your mind, the brain, the nervous system, and engaged your body in evil deeds... Yet He has now reconciled, put you back together in His fleshly body through His death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So He's going to put us back together in a way that we're holy, that we're not broken, we're not disconnected, okay? But we're pure, we're without reproach, alright? Blameless. If indeed, verse 23, you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. <clears throat> now listen, this Scripture and what Paul is talking about applies to you as an individual and in that all things means every part of your life needs to come into alignment. It also applies to all of creation because he says everything in heaven and on earth. And this is how important Jesus is. The whole of the universe is to have Jesus first. All right, And every part of the universe is going to be aligned to Him because He is the first. He is faithful and He is true. But when, when Jesus comes and brings your work life into alignment and your home life into alignment and your, your, your uh, you know, entertainment and friendships into alignment, your, your education into alignment, your church life, all of this brought into the alignment of one, uh, it brings us together, it reconciles us. And so, <clears throat> again, this series, for some reason, I'm using a lot of illustrations. <laughs> you know, we had the body, uh, or the heart, and the, and the soul, and the spirit, but if those were to line up, like picture them coming into focus, all line up, just looking down on them, you know, it would look like this, wouldn't it? Because they're all lined up. Or if it were, if we were looking kind of sideways, you know, it would look kind of like because you have your heart and your soul. Oops, there's no key there. And your mind or strength. And so every part of you is lined up with Christ is in line, okay, in agreement 
All in love. Every aspect of you. And then the Holy Spirit, and this kind of looks like a, a vessel that the, that the Holy Spirit can pour in. Holy Spirit. God's Spirit actually fills us up and overflows us. And if this was an illustration, God would be the piece of paper. Alright? Alright? We're, we're hidden with Christ in God. And so everything is consumed. <clears throat> We're within Him. And, and everything in us is aligned to Him and for Him. That's what it means by all things. So we don't have incongruent parts of us, fragmented parts of us falling, falling off and dragging around dead limbs. <laughs> okay. um, 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? When you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, let that be complete. Okay? Let the, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust, those things that pull us apart and make us do things that we don't even agree with. Alright? that we know is not true or right or proper or healthy. Uh, we, we don't, we're not conformed to the former lusts which uh, were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And so the basis for all this as I began this series is that because God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Alright? <clears throat> and you shall love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because He is one and in unity. And in that oneness, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So they're actually triune, but they're so in unity with one another that they're one. So it's to the point where Jesus says, If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. I and My Father are one. When he said that, the Jews picked up stones and started throwing them at him because they thought he was blaspheming, but he was telling them the truth. All right? So there's absolutely no disagreement. And so we have different parts within us that need to come into agreement. How can the Father and the Spirit and the Son be so in, in agreement? Because God is love. And we're called to be in love with Him. So that every aspect of our being, okay, is aligned in relationship with Him. Now, this doesn't mean that every thought that you have throughout the day has to be directly about Jesus Christ, you know? You don't have to become a monk and live in a monastery. All right? Jesus, for most of His life, was a carpenter. He had a regular job. All right? Sold stuff to people. Took bids. Got outbidded. All right? Probably had customers that complained. <laughs> Strike you down. No? Oh, yeah, no. I'm sure he had people that complained. <laughs> you know, okay, I'll do it again. <laughs> you know, so uh, he had a real life, but every aspect of that life was motivated by his love for God. Do you see? Everything and every part of it. He had a life, of, he had a family, he had a mom, and he had siblings. You know, I'm sure they had extended family and lived in the neighborhood. They had, he had neighbors, alright? And every aspect of his life was demonstrated this love for God. It was motivated for God. And it, and it moves you into action. Alright? Prepare your minds for action. 
and be holy as He is holy. Alright? So, this brings in the second commandment, that we are to love others as ourselves. When we're in alignment with God, and in love with Him, and everything is motivated in love with Him, it will, by necessity, mean that we reach out and love others. Because we express our love for God in our interactions with one another. Okay? That love that we have for God is, is revealed or displayed when we love others. Alright? It's the same thing. When it says, and the second is like unto it. He's actually saying the second is the same thing. It's the same law. Alright? It's really the same thing. It's connected. So what? <clears throat> Everybody say, so what? So what? So what? So what does it mean to live the great commandment? You guys are great. It means that we first agree that God is one. And that we're called to be one, like Him. It means that whenever and wherever we find fragmentation or brokenness within us, and it's in you, it's in me, I, I find pieces every now and then. It's like Legos around the house. <laughs> Ow, jeez, what was that? <laughs> Alright, we put them back where they belong. Alright? It means whenever we find fragmented parts of us revealed in life, we bring it to Christ and give Him first place. Oh, I have this issue in my life. My, my relationship with my computer. You know? And, there, and sometimes I use it to sin. Okay, I'm going to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in that. Or my thought life. Or my work life. Jesus, how can Jesus... Jesus, how can you be first? How can you be in charge so that it lines up? And he'll tell you. And if you can't get it, come and ask someone else. Say, I'm having this difficulty. This part of me doesn't line up. Jesus isn't Lord. And, oh, well, let's pray. And, you know, He'll reveal the way. <clears throat> so whenever you find fragmentation, you, you bring it to Christ because He heals the brokenhearted. And in this union of our heart and our soul, our body, <clears throat> we keep God as our first love. It really is simple, folks. All this whole series, all I have to say is, it just means being in love with God. Just be in love. Be head over heels for Jesus. That's what it means. And don't lose that love. It's the reason and the source, the motivation, and the goal of everything that we think or do or say. That's what it means. <clears throat> it also means to be constantly looking to demonstrate that love toward others. All right? And the reason for this <clears throat> is that uh, if you really love God, you'll love what God loves. And God so loved the world that He sent His only Son to die for them, right? And Jesus so loved you that He gave His life completely. His whole body, His heart, His mind was on that cross and it di He died for you, alright? And so He is passionately in love with those who do not know Him, alright? Just like you at one point didn't know Him. And so being in love with God is loving the things He loves. And so that's where the Great Commission comes in. But the Great Commandment has to come before the Great Commission. Or else, if, if, we, don't, if we don't fulfill the mission out of love, it just becomes works. It becomes striving. But if we're filled with God's love and all of us is aligned to that love, then we go out to share the love of Christ. It's not, you know, to draw people into our organization, you know. God forbid it's to bring people into a love relationship with Jesus that's won us over. 
All right, and you and you get uh, you know baptized into His love, and all you want to do is tell other people about that love, and that is what we're going to talk about next week. Actually, Graham McCaig is going to be sharing on the Great Commission, which we'll be talking about the next several weeks. God bless you. Sarah's going to have some uh, announcements.